Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. After the Russian flu epidemic in the early 1890s, some survivors described odd and oddly lingering symptoms. One of them, the English feminist Josephine Butler, wrote to a friend, I am so weak that if I read or write for half an hour, I become so tired and faint that I have to lie down. That was more than three months after she'd gotten the flu. 25 years later, just before the start of the Spanish flu pandemic, the Austrian neurologist Konstantin van Ekonomo described a series of patients who had unusual and unusually sustained symptoms. These patients had symptoms that ranged from meningitis to delirium, from extreme tiredness to weakness in the hands or feet, or almost the complete opposite, involuntary twitching and jerking and insomnia, and even more unsettling, a lot of these patients died. Because so many patients had unbearable exhaustion, Economo named whatever these patients had encephalitis lethargica. The disease seemed to center around Vienna at first, but when the Spanish flu came and spread throughout the world, the mysterious disease seemed to follow its footsteps to other parts of Europe and the United States. It affected at least 100,000 people in Western Europe. Its precise cause and relationship to the Spanish flu is still a mystery today. Fifteen years later, in 1934, an outbreak of atypical polio struck 198 people, most of them doctors and nurses, at a Los Angeles hospital. The authors of a paper about this outbreak at the L.A. hospital wrote that the polio was so variable that no syndrome can be described which accurately portrays the clinical picture. Instead of the more typical symptoms of polio, like paralysis, these patients had all sorts of other symptoms. Nausea, vomiting, muscle twitching, constipation, vertigo, and double vision. Any sort of exercise or exertion caused them debilitating fatigue. They had trouble sleeping and memory lapses. And the symptoms lasted. Even six months later, more than half of the afflicted staff couldn't go back to work. And more than a decade after that, some of the patients were still suffering. 
Which is all to say that long haulers are not unique to COVID-19. In fact, they are not unique even to this coronavirus. Chronic symptoms have been documented in patients with SARS-1 and MERS. What is unique about long COVID, which is a term created by patients for patients, is that many millions of people have it all at once. And these long haulers are resourceful, driven, and speaking aloud about it in unison, in the news, on social media, and to each other. The other thing that's unique about long COVID is that even if it's still a mystery and understudied and misunderstood, it's not being swept completely under the rug. This podcast is about the history of vaccines, but maybe I don't talk enough about why we even need vaccines. It's about preventing mortality, of course, but it's also about preventing morbidity, the suffering from illness and chronic disease. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode about long COVID. Or rather, that's what two long COVID patients are going to tell us about. It's not always pretty or upbeat, but these conversations will open your eyes to yet another reason you don't want to get COVID-19. Because there's no guarantee that you'll ever recover. From iHeartRadio and School of Humans, I'm Sean Revive, and this is Longshot. Let's just start from the beginning. So when did you start feeling ill? This started back in February 2010, uh, 2020, sorry. That's Dave Hockaday. He's 48 years old, lives in Oxford in the UK. He's married with a couple kids. He works in humanitarian aid. I've worked in war zones, civil conflict zones, and, and there's been bombs and shooting around. So I'm fairly used to crisis and managing anxiety. And in February 2020... He started feeling a little sick. Extremely heavy running nose, which is quite grim, actually. I've never had anything like that before. But the usual, you know, kind of mild fever, aches and pains, feeling a bit dizzy and a bit unwell, just in bed for a couple of days. Nothing serious, just just a fairly heavy cold or fever. By the time Dave starts feeling symptoms, he and his family are already aware of the virus spreading in China. But there are only a dozen or so cases in the UK. Over the following weeks, novel coronavirus cases are reported in Japan, Thailand, South Korea, France, Australia, Brazil, India, Egypt, and Italy. There are tens of thousands of cases in China, but very low numbers elsewhere in the world. A person here and there. Nothing to cause panic in Oxford. Dave continues living his life, but he sees the writing on the wall and cuts back on some activities. He mostly works from home, orders his groceries online, One of the few things Dave continues doing like normal is going to the gym. He's a really active person. Likes to do high-intensity interval training and things like that. I was pretty fit and I had a good diet. You know, no no underlying comorbidities. The only thing I was doing was going to the gym and I'd heard about some people started complaining of coughs and fevers and stuff. So, you know, I'm pretty sure I picked it up from the gym. He gets sick at the end of February. Feels like a pretty bad cold, but he isn't overly worried. But since he knows about this coronavirus, he calls 111, which is the direct line to the National Health Service. Basically, someone in the UK might call 111 if they're sick, but it's not really an emergency. And they were saying, well, look, if you haven't got a cough or a high fever, and you haven't been to China or been with anyone who's been in Italy, then it probably isn't. It's probably just a seasonal cold. And that that was their position at the time. Even though the NHS is telling Dave he doesn't have coronavirus, he quarantines himself for a few days as he recovers. 
And so what happened after that? <laughs> I kind of got a typical virus. I kind of felt better uh, within four or five days. I was back on my bike, you know, cycling around Oxford. Again, you know, sort of staying fairly low, not really going anywhere where there's lots of people. The only reason I went out was to go back to the gym again, really. Uh, maybe popped into the office once or twice. Dave thinks he's in the clear. Even though he doesn't know if he even had coronavirus, the symptoms are gone. But then, it comes back even harder than before. It was actually March the 9th. That's March the 9th, 2020. I was starting to feel a little bit weird. Quite unusual levels of fatigue. And this isn't just kind of like feeling a bit tired at the end of the day. It's, it was starting to feel a bit jet laggy. You know, if you've been on a long haul flight, maybe really quite a deep, deep tiredness. Dave thinks maybe he's run down from work, just needs some time to relax. But the symptoms get worse and weirder. I remember writing a Skype message to a work colleague around about that time, just saying, God, yeah, I just, I just had a really bad night. I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares, couldn't breathe properly. The worst thing was probably the chest pain and the compression. That gradually each day got slowly worse and worse. And it, you know, I can describe it as like, you know, having an anvil on your chest, suffocating feeling. And there were also sharp pains sort of radiating down the, down the left-hand side of my chest and arm, which, you know, I'm a middle-aged man, and <laughs> these are warning signs that you don't ignore. So it was just getting worse each day. And then, of course, the fatigue was building. That was getting worse. And there was just generally feeling, starting to feel really unwell, inflamed, hot, getting chills at night time, so night sweats, insomnia, dreadful nightmares. My God, the nightmares were horrific. By this time in the UK, schools are closed. Restaurants and pubs are closed. Parliament is closed. Even the Church of England is closed. The entire country is on lockdown as thousands of Brits have tested positive for COVID-19, including Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Prince Charles. On April 5th, 2020, the Queen gives a rare televised address to the nation. While we have faced challenges before, this one is different. This time we join with all nations across the globe in a common endeavor, using the great advances of science and our instinctive compassion to heal. We will succeed. By then, Dave's symptoms are scaring the shit out of him. I remember waking up in a cold sweat, having had a nightmare that I couldn't actually breathe. And I woke up and I couldn't actually breathe. It was the most terrifying thing. This time, he calls 999, like calling 911 in the US. An ambulance comes to the house. And that was the first point I kind of realized I was in the middle of something quite unusual because they did all the usual vital signs. So they took oxygen, they did blood pressure, they took some blood, they took temperatures, and they found nothing, nothing. They said, you're absolutely, you know, as far as we can see from a triage perspective, there's nothing wrong with you. Take some paracetamol and, and go to bed. <laughs> what did you think at this point? I thought I was dying. The problem was, Dave didn't know what illness he had. It was so early in the pandemic in the UK that getting tested was no easy task. Even after calling an ambulance and telling the EMTs he feels like he's going to die, he can't get tested. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, you know, a lot of us first waivers, people who came down with it in January, February, March, 
there were no tests available. You had to be dying or admitted to hospital to have a test. His symptoms are bad, but not typical COVID-19 symptoms as they were known then. Another time when he calls 111, this happens. I remember as clear as day, I said, look, I'm feeling really unwell. I can't breathe properly. I really, I think I need help. And the person says, nothing we can do for you. Our hospitals are full. If you, you know, if you're not dying, then there's nothing we can do about it. I said, well, how, you know, how do I know that I'm not dying? And she, and bless her, you know, fair play. She just said, you know, don't call back unless A, your lips turn blue or B, you pass out unconscious. And I remember just thinking, you know, if I've passed out unconscious, how can I call you? <laughs> it's not a criticism at all. It's, it's indicative of the state of crisis that the country and many countries were in at that point. We, we just did not know what was going on. Dave doesn't know what to do. With a surge of really sick people, hospitals in the UK are doing their best to help coronavirus patients. But Dave doesn't check the normal COVID boxes. Most patients, if they recover, do so within two weeks. Or maybe a month if they have a severe case and need hospitalization. His case is severe, but in a totally different way. Dave doesn't need a ventilator. And the thing is, he doesn't know what he needs. Nobody does. I felt really alone. Uh, you know, I just thought there was something wrong with me in my head. Maybe there was some anxiety in there. You know, I just did not know what was going on. He keeps a log of his illness that he eventually turns into a blog. April 22nd, day 45. Breathing restricted, heavy headache, insomnia, anxiety, claustrophobia, extreme fatigue, pins and needles and weird joint pain, sleep apnea. April 27th, day 50. Symptoms persist. Call local GP for advice. Request x-ray, ECG, and blood tests. Declined. Signed off work for May. April 30th. Night chills and sweats. Extreme fatigue. Worsening cough, fever, and breathlessness. May 1st. Woke up feeling slightly better. First headache-free day since late February. Okay, so at this point, he's feeling somewhat hopeful. But then, May 2nd. Relapse overnight. Chest pain returned quite severely. Shortness of breath acute again. Advice from doctor is that this is recovering COVID-19 and to readjust recovery expectations from weeks to months. May 6th, significant improvements in symptoms following an incredibly deep sleep. One of the deepest night's sleep I've had in years, like being under anesthetic. May 7th, day 60, continued recovery, like coming out from underneath a heavy, dusty, suffocating old rug. May 8th, Relapse. But that day on May 8th, Dave reads an article by a professor of infectious diseases in Liverpool who describes his own roller coaster of unexplainable symptoms. And for the first time, Dave sees that he's not alone. He starts finding Facebook groups with thousands of people sharing their unusual and harrowing COVID experiences. I just thought, bingo. I'm not alone, you know, in the middle of this darkness, in the middle of this weirdness and, and quite frankly, terrifying experience, I've found my people. <laughs> what they are going through doesn't even have a name yet. But on May 20th, 2020, Dr. Elisa Pedigo, an archaeologist, coins the term long COVID as a hashtag on Twitter. Dave finds a community of people willing to take his illness seriously.
Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the most mysterious symptoms that long COVID patients describe is brain fog. And Dave got it. One time, he was in the middle of a conference call with 20 people and just couldn't remember what he was supposed to be saying. Just at one point, being in the middle of a sentence and just forgetting, just forgetting what I was talking about, what we were talking about, what it was I was supposed to be summarizing. And I just couldn't, could not remember. And I just thought, oh my God, there's, a, there's this big black hole where my memory should have been and where the decision should have been. And I just couldn't, I couldn't summon it up. Dave was really freaked out. And he doesn't even like to use the term brain fog. 
because it sounds cartoonish, it sounds kind of quite cute. And what people are witnessing and experiencing is not in any way cute or, or funny. It's, you know, it's dementia-like symptoms. You just forget what you're doing. You forget words. You forget where you are. To learn more about brain fog, I turn to someone who studies brains. So I'm Athena Akrami, and I'm a neuroscientist at University College London. I have my own lab studying various aspects of learning memory, specifically related to a kind of uh, um, unsupervised learning in human, rodents, computational models. Athena has her own lab to study brains at one of the best universities on Earth to do so. In other words, she's brilliant. But in March 2020, she gets sick. And she like Dave Hockaday and millions of other people, starts getting weird symptoms that won't go away. At first, she thinks she has normal COVID. It sounded as a bummer, but at the same time, I was quite kind of happy, maybe, in a sense that, okay, in a couple of weeks, I will be over it. Really, I had this mentality. And now that I got it, it's fine. That's not what happens. Two weeks became three weeks, became four weeks. And my initial symptoms, they were very classic. I had cough and fever and fatigue, shortness of breath. But then it just slowly, slowly new symptoms started to to appear. Her cough is almost resolved after four weeks. But the new symptoms are bizarre. I had a lot of joint pain, kidney pain, shortness of breath, sleep apnea, pins and needles started to appear. And I had this kind of a specific extreme episode of shivering that started at one day around noon and then continued until morning the day after. So I was just like completely paralyzed. I was just like shaking. I was not sure, if, is this really, am I having some seizure maybe? What, what is this? She goes to the hospital. But in the hospital, doctors really didn't know what's going on, what's wrong with me, right? They didn't have anything to comment on except saying that well, it seems like the first indications, like taking an x-ray, chest x-ray, it's normal. Uh, your blood indicators, they are not really that off. So maybe you are stressed out. Maybe you're just like, and I was just like, you don't know me. I'm not stressed out. I'm not a person that just I can't easily get stressed out. The next time she goes to the hospital is even worse. And the second time, again, I had another episode of delirium. So I, I was, I had a really high fever. And I think I went through a patch of like more than 48 hours of no sleep. Even if I was completely dead and tired, I could not sleep. And then either the insomnia introduced some, a kind of induced some delirium and, and hallucination. You're confused. You're disconnected. You don't know where you are. You can't really kind of ground yourself into into reality. And I had a lot of really weird sleep apnea that up to this point, I still get them. They're just like, whenever I'm like, I just wake up gasping for air, right? Whenever I was just like becoming unconscious, falling asleep, I was just like waking up gasping for, uh, for air. And that was really kind of exhausting and scary, I would say. Like Dave, she's very active. She goes to the gym three times a week. Now she can barely take a walk without crashing and having to spend days in bed. And the worst part for her is the brain fog. Before really kind of learning and hearing about the term brain fog, I was describing that to my husband as just like, my mind is so cloudy. 
I can't, I can't access information easily. I, I just don't remember things that happened maybe half an hour ago. I used to have a very sharp memory, and that was gone. The obvious sort of weirdness here is that you know you're you're a brain scientist who's experiencing brain fog. Is how has that made you feel? It's a difficult question. I think it kind of motivates me more to understand it, and I was pretty scared by it, to be honest, because most of my contribution to、uh, into basically my job is comes from my my active thinking, right? And that was disrupted, and it was difficult to. Come in peace with it, right? I, I I really wanted to pretend that things are normal. I wanted to pretend that I I can sit on meetings and just like you know kind of go on with my with my science and with my activities as usual. But they were extremely、uh, taxing. Around the same time that Dave finds the Facebook groups, Athena finds a Slack support group called Body Politic, started by journalist Fiona Lowenstein. On body politic, Athena finds much of the same validation that Dave finds in the Facebook groups. She isn't exaggerating or just stressed, and she is far from alone. On one Slack channel, people are collecting data about the types of symptoms that long COVID patients, like themselves, are experiencing. She joins and starts helping. At this point, we want to just like try to aggregate data, collect data to understand it, and that was a kind of a temporary. Help that I offered the group, but that was the beginning of the really whole journey. They put out a report on May 11th, 2020, that includes a survey of hundreds of long COVID patients. It's the first of its kind, a patient-led analysis of the long COVID experience. And this is just three months or so into the pandemic, so the results are very preliminary, but they are still shocking. They find that respondents who haven't recovered have been experiencing symptoms for an average of 40 days, and the chance of full recovery by day 50 is less than one in five. Most weeks, brain fog is more common than coughing for these COVID patients, and two-thirds of them describe their lives since getting long COVID as sedentary. But this survey is just an appetizer. By July, Athena and a team of long COVID patients/slash researchers. Realize this isn't going away, and their symptoms aren't going away. They embark on a larger study, a global survey of long COVID symptoms. At that point, I think around more than eight thousand people on Slack. They were sharing experiences, and Slack group at that point, I think, had around sixty different channels dedicated to different symptoms, right? Neurological symptoms, respiratory symptoms, exercise intolerance, reproductive symptoms, GI issues, various things. For the second survey, they get nearly 4,000 long COVID patients from 56 countries who speak a bunch of different languages to fill out a questionnaire. They ask them to describe their symptoms in detail and the effects the illness has had on their lives. They released the report on that survey in July this year, 2021, and the results are astonishing. More than 90% of the respondents have not recovered after nine months. And are still suffering at the time of the survey, and more than 85% of patients still have relapses triggered by exercise or other stressors. Nearly 70% have reduced their work schedules or stopped working altogether, and almost 90% of patients have cognitive dysfunction or memory issues, like Dave and Athena. Just seeing the numbers, like the average number of symptoms that long COVID patients had, out of these 200. 
the average number of symptoms is more than 50. Just like seeing that number, that like one person can experience 50 different symptoms was kind of, I don't know, shocking. Just the complexity of the symptom profile. Another thing that was surprising and interesting and hopefully will give us some cue to understanding the underlying pathophysiology is that these symptoms are not just like limited to one or two organ system. On average, out of 10 organ systems that we studied, patients have symptoms in nine point something. Each patient has problem in various, almost all organ systems that we studied. Long COVID is not simply a respiratory illness. Whatever is attacking these patients is attacking them head to toe. I'm kind of ashamed of it as a scientist that I really didn't, before this whole personal experience, I didn't know much about other post-viral complications, right? So we we, we knew that like post-viral complications exist, but unfortunately they are extremely understudied. And due to the kind of a scale of the pandemic, this time all these small bubbles, they come to the surface and now they are just undeniable. Right? We cannot deny these millions of people now that at the same time in this past year that they, they, they are developing various types of conditions due to these post-viral complications. We opened the episode with some major viruses from the past that caused limited and very understudied post-viral complications. Russian flu, Spanish flu, polio. But COVID, because of its sheer scale, and with our ability to look closer at virus cells than ever before, offers a new opportunity. A chance to figure out what these post-viral complications are, what causes them. With long COVID, it's still very much an unknown. Athena is not a virologist or an epidemiologist, but her personal experience has driven her to study long COVID, all while continuing to recover from her own bout of it. We spoke in August 2021, and she still hadn't recovered. So next week will be 17 months. And maybe out of these 17 months, uh, I only had altogether 30, 40 days of normal temperature. My temperature rarely goes below 37.78, right? So I am usually above 38, which I think in, in Fahrenheit would be like 100.200.3. I asked Athena if she was optimistic or pessimistic about whether long COVID will be figured out. I really hope that with the amount of attention and resources that hopefully different countries, different governments, different organizations are providing, we will understand long COVID. And understanding long COVID will help us to understand other post-viral complications that have been ignored so far in the medical history. That's my optimism. My pessimism is that, unfortunately, we are very far from acquiring the knowledge that we need in order to provide treatment and cure uh, long COVID. Meanwhile, with the existing trend, like right now, the current trend of increasing cases all over the world, especially due to the Delta variant, we are just like accumulating so many long COVIDs down the line, like in a year probably each country will have millions of people, most of them, again, previously young and fit, that now they are just like really struggling to go back to semi-normal life. I really don't know what will, what it, it's a crisis. It's a health crisis. 
Even today, Athena still has relapses if she pushes herself too hard or sometimes for no reason at all. And there's also the social side effects of long COVID. One aspect of long COVID is that you become a very unreliable person because you are good one day and then the next day you just like kind of collapse or you become unfunctional. So that unreliability makes planning very difficult. I have to figure out a way that whether like these, these relapses are going to be with me for the rest of my life or the relapses hopefully will resolve as well. That's, that's completely unclear right now. But knowing that during those times that I am not experiencing brain fog, I know what a valuable, valuable thing it is just like to be normal. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Many months after getting sick, Dave Hockaday was still not 100%. Anytime he tried to exercise the way he used to, he would relapse and be back in bed. He tried, well, he tried basically everything. Yeah, gosh. I mean, I'm laughing because I've never really taken anything in the past. So what have I tried? Various antibiotics, amoxicillin, penicillin. I've tried breathing techniques, window breathing, diaphragm breathing. I've tried diaphragm release techniques, muscle relaxation techniques, vitamin D, quercetin. What else? Gosh, I've tried acupuncture. I've tried shiatsu. I've tried reiki. I've tried osteo. I've tried reflexology. I've nearly bankrupted myself trying, trying to get better. None of it really worked. But he did, finally, have people who understood what he was going through. He became a moderator for one of the bigger long COVID Facebook groups called COVID-19 Support and Recovery. He also participated in Athena's big survey. But after nearly a year, he was still really sick. I saw a lot of people on, on the social media groups saying, you know, 10 or 11 months, they were starting to feel a bit better. So I was thinking, great, maybe I'm out of the woods here. And then January and February kicked in and I just had a massive relapse. <laughs> and I started to get these new symptoms in my stomach. And I was thinking, this is, this is never going to end. You know, I'm going to be like this the rest of my life. A lot of people don't really understand chronic illness. We're not used to a non-linear illness in the West. You're used to seeing people getting unwell and then getting better. And that's just not the case here. And, you know, fair play to my wife and kids. They've been really understanding throughout this, but I'm pretty sure there were points at which they just wanted to say, for God's sake, can you not just get better? But things did start to get better eventually. For Dave, it's just been rest and time. Taking it easy and being patient. I mean, it's fair to say I'm a different person than I was in in March last year, February, March last year. I'm optimistic. I'm I'm a half-glass-full kind of person. I believe I will get better. I've got no reason to believe otherwise. I think it's just going to take time. For Athena, a sort of breakthrough came when she took a course of steroids last October. Though she's not really sure that's what helped. But at the same time, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe they're just an natural course of recovery, right? Just like also time, basically, was another uh, another contribution. However, I still have relapses of symptoms. Like some of, for some of those, I know the trigger, like activity. Like I really cannot, I cannot do much of exercise. Like that active life three times a week in gym, it's gone for me for now. And whenever I just like try to go back to that, I crash. It's unclear if the Delta variant currently spreading throughout the world is going to cause more cases of long COVID. Or if the vaccines that work so well at preventing hospitalization in COVID patients will specifically stop long COVID too. What is clear is that you do not want to get long COVID. That getting COVID-19, no matter your age, does not necessarily mean you will get through it asymptomatically, or quickly, or ever. Studies range quite a bit, percentage-wise. But a significant number of even really young children who get COVID, some of whom are initially asymptomatic, still report lingering symptoms months later. And a study out of China found that more than two-thirds of hospitalized COVID patients they surveyed had at least one symptom six months later. 
One of the most frightening things that long COVID patients describe are the vivid dreams, the nightmares. I asked Dave to tell me about his. And the first one I remember was was I think when I was probably coming down with the infection, it was I was dream I was having a nightmare that I was lying in bed and this kind of serpent popped up at the end of the bed and kind of stared at me and I looked at it and I kind of got a bit a bit worried about it. And it just disappeared into my foot and went in between the toes and started slithering around under my skin. And I, I could see it under my skin, <laughs> slithering around all over my body. And then it started to multiply. And you could see these snakes under my skin just going all around the body and in my face. And I think, you know, at that point, even my subconscious, my immune system had probably informed my subconscious that it was being invaded. And that's all, that to me is the logical explanation. But I, you know, I'm no expert on dreams. I've got no idea. But it, it was very, for me, I, I was being invaded. On the next episode of Long Shot, we'll learn about human challenge trials, where people contract coronavirus on purpose. Long Shot is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. Today's episode of Long Shot was produced, written, and narrated by me, Sean Revive. My co-producer is Gabby Watts. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeartRadio and George B. Stefano at Charles University in Prague. Executive producers are Virginia Prescott, Brandon Barr, and L.C. Crowley. Longshot was scored by Jason Shannon. The score was mixed by Vic Stafford. Sound design and audio mix was by Harper Harris with Tune Welders. School of Humans. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.